Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of I Want to Watch the Very Best Because Gotta Watch Them All Was Taken, and I am your host, Ryan Geyser. Two things. One, I apologize for the lateness of this episode if you keep up with them on time, because work's been hard. It's been hard as heck. And just finding the time to edit before I pass out is becoming more and more difficult. Um, especially as I add more to each episode, like I'm getting more and more detailed, and part of that's because of me, and part of that's because of the anime itself getting more detailed. It's it's a difficult balancing act, as both of us kind of improve over time. So yeah, I, I apologize for the lateness. Um, I'm going to try to be on schedule, but I have a fun announcement in a minute. But first, two. This is actually the second time I've recorded the intro because the first time I was very, very tired and it sounded kind of depressing. So here's the better intro. I hope you like it. Now some news real quick before we get into the whatever topic of my intro. Movie is next. Pokemon the Movie 2000 The Power of One is our next movie. And if all goes to plan... I should have a guest for it. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a blast. And I have not recorded it yet, but I'm sure you'll love it. Teehee. Now, just in some unrelated stuff. Um, Like I said, last weekend I was in New York City, and it was it was fun. Met up with some friends I haven't seen in a while. Um, This is the first time I think we've all gotten together since... Oh, last winter? Like last December? January? Something like that? It's, it's been a while since we've all met up, and it was good to kind of catch up a little bit. Not much has changed between us. That, that's kind of what we figured out while we were there. We saw some sights, and um, there were some sights we didn't see because everything in New York City cost $45, apparently. That's kind of the magic number, like 40 to $45 to do anything. Empire State Building, $45. Museum of Sex, $45. A hot dog, $45. It's Everything was $45. It was wild. But we did some general touristy stuff. You know, we went to Times Square a few times. We rode the subway. Saw the Empire State Building. Didn't go up it, but we saw it. And uh, Museum of Sex we stopped by and didn't go in. But we saw the gift shop, which was just a Spencer's gift shop. Saw the Statue of Liberty from a distance. Saw the Wall Street Bull. Uh, did a silly pose in front of the Trump Tower because none of us respect it. And, of course, because we're weebs, we had to go to uh, this Japanese import store that's close to Times Square. It was it was fun. That's where I spent the most money. Also got some ramen and a Korean barbecue and some, like, genuine pizza. And wasn't a fan of the pizza, actually. I, I like mine, Americanized, with the cheese and everything. And I'm sure someone will probably want to kill me for that, but... I know what I like. Everything else was pretty good, though. The Korean barbecue was fun. I got some mozzarella balls there, too, that tasted great. That was probably the sweetest mozzarella I've ever tasted, and it was oddly fantastic. I also got some ramen. I think it's the first time I've ever had genuine ramen, like actually went to a place for it instead of just cooking it at home from one of those 50-cent packets. And that was fun. Tried some takoyaki for the first time, too, and that was interesting. But enough about that, because I'm sure you want me to talk about Pokemon instead. So, I hear you. Don't worry. We're going to jump right into it with our first episode. Go! Episode 104, 
bound for trouble. Synopsis. After a plan by Team Rocket goes awry, Pikachu and Meowth are not only separated from their partners in the wilderness, but they're also stuck strapped together. Having earned his third badge, Ash and his friends stop to rest at and explore an island famed for its larger-than-usual Pokémon, especially Pidgeot and Rhydon. The trio observe a map and then take off along a trail. Yes, that rewind sound effect was legitimate. Misty says that it's a little bit suspicious that a fruit basket is just sitting there, Ash suggesting that it was left by someone who doesn't like fruit. Insisting it's a trap, most likely by Team Rocket, Misty instead points out a perfectly good fruit tree just right off the path. However, walking towards it, the group fall into a hidden pitfall at the tree's base. One of the fruits lands on Ash's head, Without hesitation, he bites into it, nearly breaking all his teeth and learning that it was fake the whole time. Team Rocket then reveals themselves, saying that they used some reverse psychology. The fruit basket was entirely real and untrapped, but they knew the group would be suspicious and go for the fake fruit tree instead. <laughs> we should have taken that fruit basket like I wanted to instead of listening to you. Forget about the fruit! Arbok and Weezing are sent out, Ash throwing Pikachu up to zap them. However, the trio then pulls out some patent-pending electricity-absorbing glove things, blocking the attack. Arbok and Weezing nail Pikachu with a poison sting and smog attack, giving Meowth the chance to clasp a ring around the rodent, which is connected by wire to another ring around Meowth, locking the two Pokémon together. Jesse and James then grab Pikachu, running off with him while Meowth is dragged behind. Our heroes emerge from the pit, but Ash is too late, Team Rocket already taking off. Man, Ash, you know who you really would have appreciated right now? Pidgeot. Real shame, huh? Team Rocket lands somewhere else to admire their theft, teasing Pikachu with their new immunity to his lightning. Just as they're ready to head straight to their boss, a giant Pidgeot swoops down, nabs Meowth and Pikachu, and flies off, Meowth dropping his shock protectors. Meowth begs Pikachu to do something, and the rodent electrocutes Meowth, who then sheepishly says, No, not me, the Pidgeot. There's then a brief animation error where they reuse the shot of Meowth getting electrocuted for a split second before the camera zooms out and shows only Pidgeot getting electrocuted, dropping the two smaller Pokémon. Both of them keep flipping over, trying to have the other Pokémon break their fall, with Pikachu winning. There's also another animation error. Neither of them have the ring on them anymore. For a brief moment in time, they're free. Until the animation team remembers to draw back on. After a screen wipe, we see the Pokémon each insisting they go opposite ways, getting stuck in place as a result. Pikachu insists that Meowth unlock the restraints, but the cat proudly says that Jesse's the only one with the key, causing Pikachu to electrocute him. Jesse and James, still at the balloon, discuss what might happen, Jesse fidgeting with the key. Maybe we'll get lucky, and Meowth will be able to figure out a way to bring Pikachu back to us. Do you really think Meowth is capable of doing that? No, no way. way. We're going to have to find Meowth and Pikachu ourselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
The Poke Crew then runs up to them, battle-ready and demanding to know what happened to Pikachu. The two villains then panic, saying that the stolen Pokemon got stolen again, explaining the situation in a quick transition. The Rockets then take off in their balloon, certain they'll find the Pokemon first with an aerial view. Ash insists that the group split up to look, Tracy using Meryl to help listen for a giant Pidgeot. Instead of, I, I don't know, Pikachu or Meowth? You know the island is full of giant Pidgeot. You said so yourself earlier. Be more specific. Say, find the one Pikachu on the island, or find the only talking Meowth in existence. Not, find a Pidgeot. Think, Tracy! As expected, the mouse leads them to a nest at the top of a rock pillar, Ash climbing up to it, despite Pikachu definitely not being in there, since we then see him and Meowth walking through the woods. They come to a fork in the road, each going the opposite way. When the taut link causes them to fall, they each argue about the path they'll take, until Pikachu threatens Meowth with electricity, causing him to become subservient to the mouse. They then get wrapped around the tree, but Pikachu once again forces superiority. Meowth then gets the idea to trick Pikachu into walking right to his boss's arms by pretending to be nice. The cat tries to take the lead, saying he'll lead Pikachu right back to Ash's group as a show of good faith. But Pikachu easily sees through this and electrocutes him again. Ash reaches the top of the nest and, surprise, finds it empty. The Pidgeot then returns, angrily charging Ash while the boy demands his Pokemon back. It is not intimidated in the slightest, knocking Ash off the side of the pillar, causing him to tumble to the ground. He recovers, and sadly tells his friends Pikachu wasn't there, before trudging back into the woods determinedly to continue the search. Misty explains to Tracy that Ash and Pikachu are so close that this must be tearing the boy apart. Tracy, just use Meryl to find Pikachu or Meowth. Ugh. You keep talking in other episodes about how Meowth never shuts up, and you know from Team Rocket that the two are stuck together, so use it to your advantage. God. Pikachu and Meowth continue to walk, reaching a grassy field filled with large rocks, Pikachu stopping. You say you can smell Pokemon? <laughs> Yeah, well, I don't smell anything. Blah! I just remembered I don't have a nose! A giant Rhydon then approaches and looms over the two. Pikachu tries to flee, but Meowth is frozen by fear, causing both of them to be stuck. The Rhydon then tries to punch Meowth, Pikachu pulling him out of the way at the last second. After a quick breather, they see the Rhydon is still pursuing them, and try to run, but keep attempting to go in opposite directions, being pulled back together as the Pokemon charges closer and closer. It then manages to launch them with a horn butt, but continues charging regardless, Pikachu and Meowth finally running away together. They reach a cliff, Meowth accidentally knocking both of them off as the Rhydon chases them down it. The two Pokemon then come to a dead end, which they somehow didn't notice until they were right in front of it. Pikachu decides to take a stand, getting ready for battle. He launches an electric attack, momentarily stunning the giant Rhydon, but it manages to shake the blast off. Pikachu then tells Meowth to get Rhydon's mouth open, which he reluctantly agrees to do. 
The two then jump onto its head, Meowth tickling the rhino into laughter, Pikachu taking the chance to electrocute its open mouth and knock it out. The two of them then celebrate, realizing that they don't make that bad of a team together. Meanwhile, at the spot the Rhydon first appeared, Ash's group tragically arrives just a bit too late to have seen the two Pokemon. Tracy also still has Meryl out, finally having told it to listen for Pikachu. But it's just really bad at its job for once and hasn't heard anything. You know, despite the fact that, like, mere seconds ago, Pikachu was yelling very loudly. Togepi then chitters, happily pointing out a set of Pikachu and Meowth-shaped footprints. The Pokecrew then come to the cliff the two Pokemon fell down. While Tracy and Misty try to figure out a chain of events, Ash has already started sliding down the hill. Team Rocket also continues their hunt, bored and tiredly watching from the air, also unable to find the two Pokemon. As it slowly turns to night, Pikachu and Meowth continue to wander together, starting to get hungry. They then discover an apple in a tree, both hungrily running towards it. Meowth tries to jump for it, but Pikachu holds the link back, causing him to fall, before zapping down the apple himself. However, just as the rodent prepares to eat, they see Meowth's crying face and split the apple in half for him. Meowth then cries that he's not used to people being so nice to him. Must have forgotten about the village that revered you as a god then. The two of them then eat, staring at the sky. Meowth then thinks to himself that maybe Pikachu isn't all that bad, saying that they're usually following Ash's orders, and maybe nice on their own. Forgetting all of the times Pikachu willingly hurt him, not just on other multiple occasions, like the other giant Pokemon island they got stranded on, but also the last day and several seconds ago where Pikachu willingly harmed him. In fact, in the episode where they escape the shipwreck, Pikachu snaps his fingers upset that Meowth wasn't dead. So, uh, are you, are you really sure about that, Meowth? Are you, are you positive? Do you not want to think this over again? Okay, no? Alright, you got it. Meowth then tells Pikachu that, under different circumstances, they may have been friends, and offers for the mouse to join Team Rocket before realizing that he's already asleep on the cat's lap. This may have attempted to have been sweet, until you remember that Meowth is offering Pikachu the chance to leave the side of his best friend, who has saved Pikachu's life many times, and join the very evil mafia that's been trying to kidnap him and kill others. The next morning, Meowth and Pikachu awaken peacefully, until a Pidgeot screeches and dive-bombs them immediately. They then try to run, only to immediately encounter a rampaging Rhydon as well. Dang, imagine how much it'd suck for them if they slept another five seconds. Just as the two Pokemon panic over their fate, they hear a voice call out from above them. Ash jumps off a nearby rock face, calling for Pikachu. Team Rocket is also close behind, happy to see Meowth. Ash sends out Snorlax, which grapples with and stops the Rhydon. Jesse also sends out Arbok, biting and blocking the bird. Snorlax then uses Mega Punch, knocking the Rhydon away as one final snake bite scares away Pidgeot as well. Meowth happily runs over to his compatriots, dragging Pikachu with him, thanking the two for looking for him.
Thanks a lot for coming to find me. For a while there, I thought you didn't care about me. We were really trying to catch that Pikachu, and you were just part of the package, Meow. Sorry huh? to burst your bubble. The painful throat. Pikachu then pulls Meowth, running over to Ash and jumping into his hug. However, the rockets then begin pulling on Meowth, creating a tug of war between them and Ash. Jesse then brags about the key to Ash, and in response he sends out Bulbasaur. Jesse has Arbok use Poison Sting, but Pikachu electrocutes them. James tries to have Victory Bell help, but it ends up just trying to eat Arbok. Bulbasaur takes this opportunity to Vine Whip Arbok and Victory Bell, knocking them into Jesse and James, who subsequently lose grip of the key. Ash grabs it and frees Pikachu, and as a result Meowth as well, whose brace falls off at the same time. Hmm, guess it was a dual function key. The cat then joins the other two in the balloon, laughing as a cannon lowers from the basket, their last ace up their sleeve. Misty then proclaims she can take care of it and sends out Staryu, Psyduck appearing instead. Kind of feels like it's been a minute since we've seen this gag, huh? She decides to roll with it and tells Psyduck to use confusion, but it can't figure out how. The cannon begins charging up energy, Psyduck still not doing anything, and Misty not sending out Staryu for some reason. However, just as the cannon is about to fire, Togepi finishes up using Metronome, causing the balloon to glow and then blow up, launching Team Rocket away. Ash asks if Psyduck did that, but Tracy says it didn't look like it did. Misty gasps, wondering if it was Togepi again, but everyone ignores her. Ash then kneels down with Pikachu, both overjoyed to see the other, Pikachu jumping into Ash's arms as the narrator waxes poetry, saying that this proves that separation can make the heart stronger. Team Rocket, lying on the ground all beaten, whine about how hungry they are. Meowth then points out another apple, jumping for it. James then bats him away before Jessie dropkicks the blue head, eating the entire apple herself as Meowth coldly says, Hmm, maybe they shouldn't have found me. This is kind of a funny episode in a weird way to me. Like, normally you'd assume Meowth would start to bond with Pikachu and rethink his own actions in a plot like this. But no, he bonds with Pikachu and assumes that Pikachu is the one reconsidering their course in life. Despite that definitely not being the case, like, I don't know why he thought that. However, it does help to show how strong everyone's bonds are. Meowth knows that he wouldn't leave his two close rocket friends, while Pikachu knows they'll never leave Ash's side. So, despite the slightly burgeoning and toxic friendship the two develop, it's not enough to separate them from their true allies. So, while maybe not as good as the other Get Separated on an Island with Giant Pokemon episode, it's a decently fine episode on its own, if not a bit dragging sometimes. Now to keep this podcast from dragging as well, let's go to... Episode 105, Charizard Chills. Synopsis. After a crushing defeat, Charizard is severely injured. Ash works tirelessly to care for his big lizard, but will his efforts be enough to finally get through to it? Another sunny day on Lapras, Ash looks happily at his now three badges before their living boat alerts the group to a speedboat rapidly approaching. 
It just misses them, pulling up beside the trio. A young man, Tad, leans over the deck to apologize. That was a close call. I don't think it's funny. You could have hurt my togepi. Now apologize. I'm sorry. Please don't be mad. It makes that pretty face of yours look like a tentacruel. A tent? I only wish I could be that pretty. Tentacruel. Huh? It's hard to believe, but some people actually think tentacruel are really nasty looking. Misty, I think this guy is one of those people. Tad then actually refers to Ash by name, saying he heard of Ash's Trovita win. Taking them onto his boat, Tad tells the group that he's trying to compete in the Orange League too, and was at the Trovita gym shortly after Ash won. Tad, enjoying difficult battles, thought that Ash might be a good challenge, our protagonist eagerly accepting as Tad pulls up to a nearby island for the match. Team Rocket, working on some mechanics, spots the boat coming to the island they're on. Jesse wonders what kind of losers would come to this island, James pointing out that they did. Meowth then alerts the other two that it's the twerp, his partners perking up at the coincidence. Tad and Ash prepare to battle with two Pokemon each, Misty and Tracy unsure how the fight will go. Ash sends forth Pikachu, Tad sending out his Poliwrath, which is wearing a large championship belt around its body. Tad explains that, back in his home, they have a competition to find the strongest Pokemon, and his won. There's actually some theories that the town he's talking about is the same one Ash ditched Primeape in, since the belts look pretty similar. Maybe that's another way he heard of Ash. A trainer who not only soundly defeated a gym, but also someone who passed through town and won their strength competition, sparking his interest in our hero further. Misty and Tracy wonder why Tad would use a water type, warning Ash that it may be a trick. Understanding this, but still reasoning that it's a water type, Ash has Pikachu use Thunderbolt. Poliwrath then uses Double Team, surrounding Pikachu in copies. Ash has Pikachu use Quick Attack to knock away the duplicates, eventually hitting and electrocuting the real one. However, despite the type weakness, Poliwrath still holds strong, easily shaking off the attack. Tad then orders it to use Hypnosis, putting Pikachu to sleep. The water type then finishes off the rodent with a direct and powerful water gun, Ash rushing to his partner's side. Tracy realizes that Tad's strategy was to wear Pikachu out with Double Team and then strike, demonstrating his skill and experience as a trainer. Ash, getting frustrated, decides to pull out his secret weapon. Tracy and Misty know what he's about to do, but are too late to stop him from sending out Charizard. Tad is surprised and confused, while Misty and Tracy declare that the match is already over. Ash is then like, Haha, what's wrong guys? I'm sure Charizard will be fine this time, as he then gets blasted with fire. Tad is very generously willing to give Ash the chance to reconsider his choice, seeing as Charizard isn't even remotely trained. However, Ash insists that this is the right choice, just as Charizard takes off flying around. Tad warns that Ash has no hope of winning the league like that, since the lizard may be strong, but it's just way too uncontrollable. Ash futilely tries to get Charizard to listen. Tad, disappointed and having seen enough, has Poliwrath use Water Gun, hitting the Zard dead on. 
Now sufficiently annoyed, Charizard enters the ring again, but is still unwilling to take orders from Ash, knocking him down with a stomp and trying to tail crush him. Charizard then flamethrowers Poliwrath, but it has no real effect on it. Ash tries to get Charizard to use a different move, but it just fires again, flying out of the way from Poliwrath's water counter. Ash continues to insist on moves and techniques, but continuously gets ignored in favor of flamethrowers, Charizard's tail nearly getting doused by a water blast. Tad decides to end things, having Poliwrath use Ice Beam, freezing Charizard solid as it plummets to the ground, only having the end of its tail left thawed. Ash rushes over to check on his Pokemon, attempting to break the ice with a rock. Tad recalls his Poliwrath just as Charizard's head is freed, offering a rematch if Ash can ever get control over his Pokemon before walking away. Team Rocket, having watched, is also shocked that Ash lost. But Meowth sees an opportunity, saying they should plan to steal while the group is stuck treating Charizard. That night, around a campfire, Ash rubs a now unfrozen but severely weakened Charizard to keep it warm, its tail flame diminishing more and more. Pikachu points out that Ash is rubbing his hands raw, but the boy insists he's fine and continues. He also offers for Pikachu to take a break and rest, but his partner continues to help rub as well. Charizard awakens, overhearing Ash's insistence that they need to help it before thrashing around violently. Ash struggles to restrain him, Tracy and Misty returning with firewood and hesitating to help. Just as it looks like Charizard is about to fireblast Ash again, the boy begs for Charizard to rest before a weak puff of smoke comes out from its maw, as it then collapses unconscious again. After break, Tracy and Misty join Ash in the lizard rub, but Charizard remains in bad condition. Tracy then offers to find more firewood while Misty grabs her blanket, placing it over the Pokemon and telling Ash to massage through it instead of directly, for the sake of his injured hands. Ash insists that it doesn't matter what he does, as long as he can help Charizard, some of its tail flames slowly returning. Further into the night, Misty has fallen asleep, while Tracy optimistically tells Ash that Charizard seems to be getting warmer, despite it still having a pretty dim tail flame. Charizard then wakes up and tries to create another flamethrower, but is still too weak. Creating another puff of smoke as it begins coughing, Ash insisting that it lay back down. Charizard, you shouldn't try to get up yet. After you warm up a little more, you can do whatever you want to do. You'll be strong enough to fly around. You can even use your flamethrower on me. But for now, you gotta take it easy. The flame brightens a bit more, and a suddenly awake Misty says that it looks a bit healthier too. But it collapses once again, the group scrambling to make the campfire warmer. While Misty and Tracy take a break to the side, Ash continues to massage his Pokemon, having a heart-to-heart -heart conversation with it. Look, Charizard, I may not be the greatest trainer in the world. Sometimes I don't do the smartest things and I make lots of mistakes, but I always try to do my best and I know I'm getting better. <laughs> I think. We've been together since you were a Charmander and then when you evolved into Charmeleon. And all I want to do is be good enough for you so we can battle side by side as a team. 
We then get a flashback through Charizard's eyes of the time it spent with Ash, its flame growing brighter as it considers the boy's words and actions, the group continuing their warming massage despite their growing exhaustion. When the sun rises the next morning, Charizard awakens to see Ash having fallen asleep over it. When Ash wakes up shortly afterwards, he sees that Charizard is near the water, roaring at the sun. The Pokemon then turns to its trainer, pridefully showing its fully restored tail flame. It then even gives Ash a slight smile. However, the moment is ruined by some rumbling, a small explosion occurring around the group. Tad, still on the island, sees the smoke and rushes to investigate. Pikachu, who was sent flying, is captured by an opening drill bit on a large mining device, Team Rocket introducing themselves from within after Tad joins the group. Okay, real quick note. It's revealed that this was the machine that they were tinkering with at the beginning of the episode. But what was their initial plan? They're on an island, their sub seems way too dinky to transport it, and they also had no idea Ash's group was even showing up on the island. Seriously, what was their goal with this giant mining drill? Regardless, they show off Pikachu in a shockproof box. Now that we finally got Pikachu, nothing can possibly go wrong! Where have I heard that song before? They then quickly mine back into the earth, Ash rushing after them, but Charizard appears flying alongside him, our hero jumping onto its back and taking off down the hole. Team Rocket then emerges on the other side of the island, thinking their plan is going perfectly, probably assuming they can just load Pikachu on their sub without any disturbances. However, Charizard lands on the drill, grabbing it with its feet and pulling it back with its wings. It then begins to charge up a flamethrower, but Ash stops it, pointing out that it'll hurt Pikachu too. He instead suggests that Charizard break the drill, the lizard listening and drop-kicking it to pieces. Pikachu's box flies upwards, Charizard catching it in its mouth, biting and shattering the container. Team Rocket, not giving up, presses a button that pops buzzsaws out of the side of the machine. Also, remember, this is still for kids, which censored buzzsaws in Yu-Gi-Oh! So, very interesting that they're fine with these ones, despite the character's desire for murder still plainly apparent. Charizard dodges them, but tumbles to the ground, Ash and Pikachu falling off it a bit further ahead, both of them somehow unconscious now. The Pokemon stares at its trainer, eyes burning with determination as its tail flares up, Ash and Pikachu awakening just in time to witness it. Ash uses his Pokedex, which incorrectly refers to Dragon Rage as just Normal Rage. The boy is stunned his Pokemon would finally fight for him, Charizard then blasting a large fireball right at the panicking rocket vessel, blowing it up and blasting the group off. Ash happily thanks Charizard, not getting fire blasted this time. Misty, Tracy, and Tad then run up as well, complimenting Ash on finally getting a handle on Charizard. Tad then offers Ash the rematch, which the boy accepts. Kind of poor sportsmanship to challenge an already worn out opponent, but eh, whatever. Polyrath is sent out, but as this season's theme music plays, Charizard begins listening to Ash, flying out of the way of a water gun. It worked! Charizard's finally listening! Not bad. Charizard and I are a team now! 
Chad is still confident in his victory, Charizard's ember being put out with Poliwrath's water gun. Charizard then uses Takedown, catching Poliwrath's Mega Kick in its hands. Poliwrath prepares another Ice Beam. Despite Tad having seen it nearly actually kill Charizard once before, he's still doing it again. Thankfully, Charizard flies out of the way of this one, spinning and dive-bombing Poliwrath, flinging it into the air. The Lizard then uses Seismic Toss, flinging Poliwrath into the ground and knocking it unconscious. Ash happily celebrates his win, hugging a non-aggressive Charizard. Tad congratulates Ash on his victory, saying he hopes to get the chance for another rematch in the Orange League, despite that not being how the Orange League works, as we later find out. The two trainers then shake hands, and the tables are kind of turned as our heroes wave farewell to a departing Tad. What a twist, they're not departing this time, Tad is. Ash then excitedly says that he'll be unbeatable now, accidentally causing Charizard to trip a little bit. Annoyed, the Pokemon launches another flamethrower at the group as the episode concludes. For just being kind of neatly tucked away in the middle of the Orange Islands, this is a pretty vital episode. Charizard, its disobedience a long-running joke and plot point, one that caused Ash to lose the Indigo League, is now resolved. From this point onwards, Charizard is both loyal and obedient towards Ash. This is what we've been building up to for like half of both the Indigo League and Orange Islands finally resolved a new story for Charizard beginning. And it's weird because this episode feels oddly lackluster. It's not bad, I just... I don't know, I felt like it needed some kind of extra oomph somehow. But real quick, two fun hypotheticals to consider. If Ash knocked out Poliwrath the first match, what would Tad's second Pokemon have been? And if Ash lost the rematch, would Tad and Charizard just lose all respect for him again? Of course, neither would happen in this show, but it's funny to consider. In conclusion, this is a very important and honestly not too bad episode. It's just lacking in some odd way, but I once again can't really put my finger on it. So instead, let's put my finger on the play button to the next episode. That was a solid transition. Let's go to episode 106, The Pokemon Water War. Synopsis. After Squirtle is rescued by some firefighting war turtle, it begins to feel a bit of an inferiority complex. But when Team Rocket's scheme puts the island at risk of burning down, it will need to learn to work with its evolved counterpart. Detouring at the port city of Escorbia Island, Ash's group plans to sightsee, go to an art museum, and grab some food. Hey, maybe we should go and look at the art museum. The first thing I want to see is a double cheeseburger and a side of fries! <laughs> <laughs> but before they begin, they hear a commotion as a crowd of people rush towards a port warehouse on fire. Protagonist Syndrome taking over, our group runs to help. A shockingly large crowd watches dangerously close as a fire ravages one of the buildings, despite Officer Jenny trying to hold all of them back. 
Misty and Ash both insist that they can help, as they can't stand to watch the building burn down. Despite Tracy's very rational argument that they could all get hurt. And also, my argument that no one is inside the building, so there's really no rush to stop it right now. The two kids sneak past Officer Jenny, sending out Staryu and Squirtle to watergun the blaze. Jenny, not trying to stop them, instead points out that what they're doing just isn't enough and that the second building is starting to catch. An alarm then rings out, a fireman in a jeep riding up to the building. Tracy then yells for Misty and Ash to be careful, but his warning comes too late as a piece of flaming debris plummets towards the two. Thankfully, some war turtle jump out of the jeep, nimbly rescuing the kids and their Pokemon at the last moment, Squirtle looking up at his savior with some sort of awe. After the fireman confirms the group is okay, he then blows a whistle, the turtles lining up and strategically putting out the fire bit by bit. The building is now a burnt wreckage, but the surrounding area is safe. The Poke Crew thanks the firefighter, Captain Iden, but he diverts their thanks to his Pokemon. Squirtle, however, seems to have struck up a one-sided rivalry with the lead war turtle. At the fire station, our heroes observe the Pokemon train, the war turtle doing a military chant. War turtle, war turtle, war turtle, war turtle, war turtle, war turtle, war turtle. Iden then shows off his team. Blastoise for massive fire, Squirtle for tight and hard-to-reach spaces, and Warturtle being an all-rounder group. Ash remarks how cool they all are, but then notices a dejected-looking Squirtle. Asking what's wrong, Misty suggests that Squirtle is upset because it was shown to be less useful than Warturtle, and it couldn't put out the blaze itself. Squirtle then whips out its Squirtle Squad glasses, putting them on with pride. Tracy, not knowing about Squirtle's past life, is debriefed on the formerly rebellious Squirtle squad that changed when they put out a forest fire together. Ash then asks Iden to test Squirtle against the War Turtle team. While initially reluctant, as he doesn't feel Squirtle is really up to the task, Ash's insistence eventually convinces him that eh, it can't hurt to try. As the two turtles angrily stare each other down, Team Rocket does an ad plug. Attention Pikachu Swipers! Steal now and get a War Turtle absolutely free! And a Squirtle Super Special! But the boss will have to pay cash on delivery for this little Pokemon package! Come on, this deal is too good to pass up! Let's, Let's go. go! The competition starts with a race around the track, designed to keep the War Turtle in shape. Squirtle is actually able to keep pace with War Turtle, impressing Aiden. But tragedy strikes as Squirtle trips on a stray pebble. It goes falling, losing its glasses as it begins rolling forward. It then tumbles into War Turtle, causing both of them to cross the finish line at the same time. Tracy remarks with shock that they set a new land speed record for Turtle Pokemon. Despite it probably not counting since they were rolling the whole way, but whatever. Iden then suggests that Squirtle participate in an all-day War Turtle training session to see what a day in their life is like. Ash? No. Last time you did this, you lost to a Growlithe and a cop before realizing that Pikachu is fine the way he is. It's a trap. Don't do this. But he does it anyway. The next challenge is target practice. Iden threatening that he better not see any prissy little trickles this time. 
The firefighter then begins launching discs in the air, Squirtle and the lead war turtle tying shot after shot. Misty and Tracy noticing that the competition is encouraging all the Pokemon to try harder, wondering if that was the captain's plan all along. Aiden then tells them all to hold fire, complimenting their work. But suddenly, a floating disc flies its way above the group, Squirtle and War Turtle firing but missing. The turtles then all chase after it, ignoring Aiden's orders to stop. Dang, so much for expertly trained firefighters don't even listen to an order to not chase after a suspicious disc. The group then chases after them, very quickly encountering a giant crater in the road. Where'd this giant crater come from? We'll give you one guess! <laughs> Prepare for trouble, cause we played our role. Make it double, cause we dug this hole. Not you again! We should have known you're at the bottom of this! Team Rocket, both revealed to have been controlling the disc and having captured War Turtle in the net, fly out of the pit. Meowth then uses an extendo arm to just reach out and grab Pikachu, no attempt at dodging or resisting present at all. They then put Pikachu in a glass container, its shocks powering a small fan. It then suddenly cuts to an imagined festival, the trio eating flavored ice as the fan blows on them and their kimonos. I'm just going to play this bit because the puns and delivery are just too great. Well now, we're beginning to see the light. How bright of you. And look, Pikachu's become our number one fan. to beat the heat. It's so nice and cool and it sure is sweet. But before we go, here's a freezy wheezy tree. Wheezing smogs up the area, allowing Team Rocket to escape. Tracy has Scyther clear the smoke, becoming tired after just one move, but the dastardly trio have already made a clean break. Ash vowing to find his and Iden's Pokemon. The Rocket Trio, having somehow found another random luxury cabin to make their hideaway, I don't know, maybe they built it, smirk at their trapped stolen goods. James suggests that they keep a couple for themselves, since the boss doesn't have to have all of them. Jessie agrees, happily skipping over to take her pick. James then jumps in, saying that, well, it was his idea, so he should get the first pick. Both of them then begin to argue over who did the more idea-ing, before noticing Meowth trying to feed the war turtle, referring to himself as their new master. Jesse and James tell him to can it, but Meowth scratches them in response. They angrily ask why he did that, the cat saying he just wanted to prove a point that he was tough. This leads to all three of them beating each other up. At sunset, Venonat scans the area from the front of Aiden's jeep, reporting to Tracy that nothing's been found. Aiden then gets a radio call, learning from Jenny that there's an apartment on fire. Aiden angrily asks where the Blastoise team is, Jenny saying that an overturned truck is blocking their route. Now, I want to point out that the truck is not only a good distance from the blaze, but it and the surrounding buildings aren't on fire themselves. So, I can only infer that these are the worst coincidentally unrelated events possible for this situation. Since Team Blastoise is stuck and Team Squirtle isn't strong enough, the fire team desperately needs the War Turtle's help. 
As Ivan grows increasingly stressed, Misty hops out of the parked jeep, saying she's rushing back to town to help as much as she can with Staryu. Tracy then offers Scyther and Meryl to help as well, sending them out instead of just giving their Pokeballs to Misty, making it harder for her to run there now. Venonat then finally spots the Meowth balloon, the group rushing there while Misty heads back to the city. Team Rocket, still trying to murder each other, get blasted in the face with a collective water gun. Before they can even react, though, the cabin floods with water, doors and windows bursting out in a wave. Team Rocket is shot out into the woods, Squirtle and Warturtle using coordinated leapfrog jumps to roll their net out onto a hill, letting momentum have them trample Team Rocket. Meowth then angrily slashes at them, the turtles hiding in their shells as the net is accidentally cut open just as Ash's group drives up. Venonat tackles the rockets, knocking them back from the turtle group. Pikachu, who was also washed outside, I guess, is freed by Ash. Theoretically, if you took out the parts where Pikachu was stolen, the flow of the episode would barely change, it would just lose the fan joke. Arbok and Weezing are sent out, but a collective water gun knocks them back into the rocket trio, Pikachu giving one final zap to shoot them into the horizon. Meanwhile, at the burning building, Scyther cuts falling rubble, while Staryu and Meryl help the Squirtles with their water gun, but the fire is still too out of control. A large piece of burning rubble then falls towards Misty, but is knocked away by a water gun at the last second, the girl turning to see Squirtle and the lead war turtle finally arriving. Squirtle pops on its glasses just as Blastoise arrives, Squirtle having the big turtle hoist the two smaller ones into its cannons, launching them into the building! They rescue a crying child, whose parents abandoned them, I guess, because they're all alone, and start putting out the fire in their way. The floor collapses under War Turtle while it's carrying the kid, but Squirtle grabs them just in time, impressively pulling up both of them. A door then almost falls onto a tired Squirtle, but War Turtle knocks it out of the way with a water gun. I don't know, I still think Squirtle was more impressive here, it was just a door. As the rest of the turtles work on putting out the fire, our heroes worry about Squirtle and War Turtle, who have been gone a while. The two Pokemon then triumphantly emerge, jumping from one of the higher levels and landing safely with the kid. As the scene transitions, we fade to later that night, the fire now out. A woman hugs the crying child, thanking the firefighting team for rescuing him. Aiden assures her that nothing is owed for the good deed, and that the thanks should once more go to the Pokemon. Warturtle then extends a clawed hand, Squirtle shaking it, both respecting the other. The next morning, Ash's group bids farewell to the fire captain, saying that they're making their way to the next town, which has a port close to the next gym island. Squirtle and Warturtle shake hands again, the group remarking that it's a pleasant surprise they became friends. The Poke crew then wave goodbye, Iden's group saluting in front of a rising sun, both groups parting. This is a pretty fun in-between episode. It once again kind of feels like a rehash of an Indigo League episode, specifically the Police Growlithe one, but it does enough different that I think it's a unique episode in its own right. And once again, I love seeing the practicality of Pokemon being used. Water types being firefighters is pretty sensible and fun to see. 
It's a shame they're limited to Gen 1 water types, because there are way more Pokemon I'd love to see doing this job other than just the Squirtle line. But, speaking of, it was also nice to get a Squirtle episode. I feel like it's been a bit since we've seen him have any kind of focus, so an episode where his pride as both a leader and firefighter is challenged was a pretty good idea for it. So, all in all, a fun episode with some real stakes and decent presentation and pacing. And with that, let's just move right on ahead towards... Episode 107, Pokemon Food Fight. Synopsis. Ash accidentally breaks Snorlax's Pokeball, leaving him unable to recall it. With the nearest Pokemon Center being a whole mountain hike away, the group has to get creative with transporting the massive Pokemon. Stuck on some random island due to rough seas on their travels, the narrator says that the group has been there for a whole week! I don't know what they've been doing with that time, but it sounds like a whole lot of nothing. Misty worries that they'll run out of human and Pokemon food, but Tracy assures her that, according to his guidebook, there are tons of plants that Pokemon can eat growing here, observing a small flower patch with a magnifying glass. He then tries to pick them, but ends up plucking a boy instead, Ash stupidly asking if he's mentioned in the guide. I don't think it's ever explicitly stated why he's hiding in the rock wearing flowers, and if it was, this kid is always screaming and kind of hard to understand, but I assume it's to attract Pokemon. The young boy angrily accuses Tracy of messing with the wrong guy, and introduces himself as Golzar the most 90s-sounding fantasy name possible, proclaiming himself the greatest grass-type trainer in the archipelago. The boy tells the group to get lost, Tracy apologizing, thinking that the flowers tied to his head were wild and ripe for picking. The kid immediately turns this into an act of aggression again, believing Tracy thinks low of him for wearing the flowers, demanding a battle to make up for it. Ash tries to leave, tired of this nonsense, but Golzar calls him a coward and challenges him to a battle too, Ash accepting this one. He and Golzar stand off, the flower boy sending out Gloom. Hearing his Pokedex explicitly say that Gloom is weak to fire and flying types, Ash decides to send out his newly tamed Charizard, only to accidentally send out Squirtle instead. Marking, I think, the first time Ash has messed up which Pokemon he's picking without some extenuating circumstances causing the slip-up. Ash is momentarily surprised, but decides to roll with it, calling for a water gun. Which does nothing but refresh Gloom, Misty yelling at him. You should know better than to water a weed Pokemon, Ash! Use your head! Yeah, well how am I supposed to use my head when my stomach is totally empty? Guess your head takes after your stomach. Mind your own business! Ash then decides to recall Squirtle and try for Charizard again. However, just as he's about to throw the Pokeball, it slips from his hand and lands against a rock, cracking as Snorlax pops out. I also want to point out that the rock the ball hits vanishes and the placement of the ball swaps from behind to in front of Ash between frames. I don't usually point out animation errors like this, but this one was kind of apparent. I noticed it pretty quickly. The giant Pokemon emerges asleep. Ash mildly embarrassed about making the mistake again. <laughs> However, when he tries to recall Snorlax, the Pokeball refuses to do so, having been too busted from the rock to work correctly. 
Man, real good thing every other single time Pokeballs were thrown and tossed around in this show, nothing bad happened. Having no other choice, Ash tries to wake Snorlax up to battle, whining and begging it to get up. Golzar, growing frustrated, has Gloom launch a solar beam on Snorlax to get the battle moving. Snorlax is hit dead on and is knocked backwards into a large boulder, finally being woken up as a result. It then crawls on all fours, sniffing the ground as it approaches Gloom. Smiling, the lard ball then tries to eat said Gloom, Golzar begging it to stop. He quickly recalls his grass type, but Snorlax smells the flowers on his head and eats them right out of his hair. To add insult to injury, Snorlax then steals his bag and eats his bento box as well, dropping the non-food bits on the boy's head. That was the lunch my mommy made for me! My lunch is gone and now I don't even have my end flowers to munch on! Content, Snorlax falls asleep. Golzar tries to leave in a pouty huff, saying he's not sticking around to be eaten. Ash reminds him that, hey, hey, it was you who wanted the battle, not me, and uh, as a result, this Pokeball kind of needs to be fixed. Golzar tells the group that, well, they're in luck, as the Pokemon Center is just a few miles away. But he then smirks, tauntingly telling the group that's on the other side of a mountain, before doing that eyelid and tongue thing that anime kids do and running off. Our heroes then try to brainstorm a way to get Snorlax over the mountain. Now, here are a few of my suggestions. 1. Have some of the group stay with Snorlax while the others go to the Pokemon Center and return with a fixed ball. 2. Use a different Pokeball to recapture him. As we saw in the Hollywood episode, Meowzy got a new ball, so why can't Snorlax? And 3. Not really a suggestion, but I bet you wish you had a strong fighting type like Primeape right now, huh? Or maybe a Pidgeot to make my first idea a bit easier, you know, saving the return trip? Real crying shame, huh? The group instead decides to do it the hard way. Bring Snorlax with them. Their first idea is to pull it up a mountain using a rope and logs as a roller of sorts, Misty replacing the log up front each time they pass the back one. The idea actually seems to be working decently enough, but Ash very quickly insists on the rest. Misty yells at him that it's too early to rest, but the boy insists that it's for Pikachu, not him. And to some credit, Pikachu does look near death, so he may actually be telling the truth here. Tracy then fishes around his backpack, pulling out a spare apple. The rest of the group excitedly suggests sharing it, but the artist stops them, saying that it's part of his new plan. One clockwise screen wipe later, the apple is tied to a stick, Tracy saying Snorlax is gonna follow after it. However, when holding it near the Pokemon's face, the expected happens, and it just eats the apple then and there, Tracy screaming in exaggerated agony. Misty then proposes a fishing allegory, using a lure instead of bait. Tracy thinks the idea is great, and so does Ash. Misty then tries to coyly shift the duty of lure onto Ash by saying that eh, it's his Pokemon. But instead of being upset that it has to be him, Ash is actually really willing to do it, but is just unsure what kind of lure would work. Cut to Ash in the giant apple suit. Since they refuse to leave Snorlax alone, as was already established, that means they just kind of already had this suit handy for some reason. 
While Ash is complaining and finally realizing what being a lure means, Tracy wakes Snorlax up with a stick. Seeing Apple Ash, it begins chasing him, Ash scrambling up the mountain to escape. It works very effectively. Eventually, Ash trips and braces himself for death. Thankfully, Snorlax tries to eat Ash, but is disgusted by how fake the apple is, dropping the boy before passing out again. I think I broke my core. <sighs> that was incredible! You made it all the way to the top! Pikachu! I'm an apple for a day and I need a doctor right away. <sighs> While now at the top of the mountain, the group has to figure out a way down. Misty then hears some running water, spotting a river, and suggesting making a raft. The rest of the group agrees, quickly putting together a makeshift one, somehow getting Snorlax on it and taking off down the river. It goes well at first, but the group hits a small waterfall before picking up speed and hearing an even bigger waterfall approaching. Too late to turn around, the group makes their peace as they plummet off of it. After commercial, we see the group flailing in the water, while Snorlax is very clearly resting in like a foot deep of liquid, setting up the next joke. Golzar, now with leaves in his hair, tells the group to just stand up, also pointing to the Pokemon Center just a small walk away. Using the log rolling trick again, the trio make their way to the building, while Golzar walks beside them not helping. I do not blame him. But upon getting to the center, Ash is surprised by the line outside of it. Do you think everybody in this crowd's here to have their broken Pokeballs fixed just like I am? Nah, I don't think there are that many people who are that dumb. Oh yeah? <laughs> I kinda like him, don't you? Gulzar explains that due to the lack of an airstrip or harbor port, supplies are delivered via plane drop, but this week's shipment is late and the people are out of Pokemon food. As the group suggests foraging, or even eating Golzar's head again, Joy gets the crowd's attention, happily announcing that the shipment has just left Valencia Island and will arrive in the next few minutes, pointing up to show the plane's arrival. The package is parachuted down, but Team Rocket watches and plans to nab it by using Meowth in a tiny mecha suit. The cat launches a grabby claw missile, pulling the drop towards him as the crowd of islanders chase after it. Seeing that it was a rocket scheme the whole time, Ash demands Meowth drop the food, while Jesse and James give the motto, Meowth doing a little pose in the robot to show how serious he is. Jesse then offers to let the island have the Pokemon food in exchange for Pikachu. Ash insists it's unfair, but the Rockets persuade the town to force Ash to take the deal, surrounding him. Despite the fact that Team Rocket is only like three people in a tiny mech strong, visibly unarmed, and the entire island has people with Pokemon on it, which is why they want the Pokemon food in the first place. Just mob Team Rocket instead of letting them ransom a little kid, you've got the numbers. Golzar then jumps in front of Ash, defending him. He calls the town shameful traitors, willing to sacrifice someone else's Pokemon for their own, despite the similar feelings each have for their animal companions. And Tracy makes a comment that makes no sense because these two things are kind of unrelated? Golzar? Golzar may have leaves growing out of his head, but he just proved he has a really good heart. Guess you can't judge a book by its cover. Mm -hmm. And the grass is always greener when it's on somebody else's head. <laughs> 
Team Rocket's plan failed, Jesse proposes that Ash battle Meowth, the boy uncertain about it. But, but with the remainder of supplies at stake, the boy agrees, both sides setting up to battle at the stream. Pikachu thunderbolts, but the mecha is immune to electricity thanks to a lightning rod to tail grounding system. Meowth then engages spinning claw hands, breaking through rocks as he pursues a dodging Pikachu. Dude, you're not gonna have anything to give your boss if you gore this mouse, chill. Pikachu eventually retreats to Ash, who angrily says that it's not fair, no Pokemon could win against that mech suit. Dude, you have a Charizard. I'm pretty sure you could win this with just him. This thing's immune only to electricity, not fire. Jesse and James declare themselves the winners, having won Pikachu fair and square. Ash just stares angrily. He doesn't even really argue, just keeps holding on to Pikachu. His morals are all conflicted, I guess. Just as Meowth is about to grab his prize... Everyone hears loud stomps approaching, turning to see Snorlax burst from the trees and looking very, very angry. Meowth tries to spinny claw Snorlax, but it deftly and impressively dodges each swipe, Meowth eventually getting the hand stuck in a rock, losing it when he pulls it away. The cat then shoots the top of the robot right at Snorlax, hitting it right in the face. Only for it to bounce right off, the Pokemon unmoving. James then tells Meowth to use their last resort, the Turbo Body Slam. Meowth then slams a big red button with a skull on it, ready to kill. But instead of the robot lunging forward, it opens up, firing Meowth right into Snorlax's belly, getting stuck inside. Snorlax, holding the momentum, slowly turns to face the other two rockets, firing Meowth right into them, making the three fall into the water. Ha <laughs> ha, that was great! Snorlax won that round with naval power! Ha ha ha, Tracy, good one! Now easy targets, Ash has Snorlax hyperbeam the evil trio, Exodia obliterating them into the horizon. Ash rushes to hug the Snorlax, so happy it woke up just to save him. Snorlax then turns and runs smiling towards Ash as well. But probably as expected, Snorlax runs right past Ash, gorging itself on some of the food before passing out again. Making the island foodless once again, but don't worry about that, they don't get angry over it. Later, Joy gives Ash a repaired Pokeball. Once again, I don't know why Snorlax had to be there since it's just sitting outside the whole time, but whatever. Our hero finally recalls the Blubber Ball. Gulzar apologizing for his earlier rudeness, saying that Ash is actually pretty cool. Ash forgives him and promises to maybe battle Gulzar again one day as they shake hands, the main trio then setting sail to the now calm seas. More than any other episode so far, this one really falls apart when you think about it too hard. 
sure, I'm nitpicking a two-year Pokemon era, but still. There's all the stuff with Snorlax that I mentioned earlier, and the apple suit, but also how rabid the islanders went when the rockets hoarded the food, just ready to actually kill Ash. But why were they that desperate? It's not like they couldn't radio or boat to another island for more, right? They're on a residential island in an archipelago, not a remote Arctic research base. Plus, Snorlax eats, like, all of their food, and they just are fine with that. They're still foodless, but they're like, What can you do, I guess? <laughs> it's, it's so weird. Anyway, the episode overall is mid, I guess. Nothing too wild in any real direction. It's oddly standard, given the setup. Mecha Meowth is actually an early sign of things to come with Team Rocket's giant mechas, though, so that's interesting. Golzar is easily the worst part, though. He's not annoying in an endearing way, but annoying in a someone-please-bully-this-kid way. You know? What is up, gamers? It's me, Intro Ryan, again, here to bid farewell to you. As always, I would love it if you would just share this around, let peeps know what's going on with this podcast, and, uh... Once again, got a guest coming on next week if you if you haven't started listening yet, which is weird because you're probably listening to this one. Now's your chance. Episode next week. Yeah, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Anyway, that's enough shilling for now, so I hope you all have a great morning, day, evening, outside of space time, whatever. Just have a good one. Bye. Bye.